We're uh, pretty excited on today's episode because we get to celebrate something, Troy. Do you like to celebrate things? I love to celebrate things. You know um, what we're celebrating today? I do know. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to spoil it's, the surprise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Mitch's two-year anniversary from nicotine. Uh, he once yeah. was a smoker, then he was a vapor. And now he's a quitter and he's been a quitter for two years. This is the one time that us guys can say that being a quitter is a great thing. So congratulations, Mitch. Oh, thank Congrats, you. Mitch. Thank you. And it's it amazing to think it's only been two years, but yeah. at the same time, I'm thinking it's only been two years. Like, yeah, it's, so much has happened since you quit smoking. Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> just beyond, just right. beyond quitting smoking. It's been it's been quite a ride here. And the yeah, fact that you have not started smoking again over the past two years <laughs> is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, I mean, no. I've been close myself and I've never smoked in my life, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> both, man. He uh, yeah, Mitch Mitch quit two years ago. He quit on this show. Uh, we followed his progress. Um, he quit right before Thanksgiving, which. Wow. With, you know, family stuff coming up and all that stress that, you know, we kind of questioned, you know, his sanity on that. But <laughs> you've managed to to make it stick, which is absolutely amazing. How do you feel two years later? Oh, um, I feel good. There's a lot of positive things that have happened. Um, I'm I am not afraid that anytime my chest hurts that I have lung cancer. You know, that little peace of mind is good. Um, I'm running again. Um, or biking recently, but I'm able to do cardiovascular stuff. That's great. Um, my general health seems to be doing a lot better than before. Um, but, and maybe that's something that we can kind of talk about today is that, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows, I guess. Like, I don't know. I guess I was expecting like you quit and then you like in the commercials, you dramatically like crumple up that like box of cig that carton of cigarettes and toss it in the trash and walk away defiantly, you know, that, I still have cravings. I still have occasional ideas of like stopping at that Maverick. And it's not every day, but I'm I'm a little surprised that that's still going on. And I just wonder, you know, is that just what happens now? So anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, to celebrate Mitch's two-year anniversary on Who Cares About Men's Health, we have brought in uh, somebody that hopefully can answer some of those questions. Her name is Ed Lira. Farka. She is the Tobacco Cessation Program Manager at the Center for Hope at Huntsman Cancer Institute, which is a service that is provided to patients at Huntsman Cancer Institute. How are you doing today, Edlira? Mm. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is exciting. We hope to kind of really talk about a lot of stuff today. We'd like to talk about, you know, somebody in Mitch's position at the two-year point, you know, like, how is he in better health now than he was two years ago? What are some of the the, the reasons why he continues to crave, what are some of the challenges he might face in the future. And then if somebody is listening that still smokes, that is one of the best things you can do. That's I say low hanging fruit, but that makes it sound like it's an easy thing to do, which it is not, but that's nope. one of the best things you can do. <laughs> no, nope. no, it was not easy. <laughs> it's one of the best things though, that you can do for your health. It's one of the best investments you can make. So this is who cares about man's health. My name is Scott Singpill. Uh, I'm the guy that kind of tries to keep everything on track. The MD to my BS, Troy Madsen. Say hi, Troy. That's me. Yep. And then of course today, uh, the, the, the reason we're wearing our party hats, producer Mitch. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> All right. So, Mitch, I thought maybe this first part of the show, I would just I'm going to back off the mic, let you step up to the mic and talk to Edlira about any questions that you have at two years in on your quit anniversary. Sure. So, Edlira, one of the things that I guess 
I would like to talk about now that I'm kind of looking back two years on is it, this is my seventh time quitting, you know, and like how is it? I guess this, I don't want to sound like hopeless here, but like for a lot of people, it's they don't quit on the first time. How common is it to for people to after two years? Am I am I good to go? Is it going to be a constant battle? Like how likely are people to slip after they've hit the two year mark? Is there like a, a finish line where people do a lot better or? Yeah. First of all, I want to say congratulations. <laughs> I think I think it's amazing that you have been nicotine free for two years. It's huge. And it's true. It's um, it's this everyday struggle for many people. Um, so I will start just by saying that nicotine dependence is a chronic disease. And as such, even though we, you know, talk about the transition period a lot, the moment that you start quitting and the withdrawals and the first two to three days are really hard and it tends to get easier with time. But there is a part of nicotine dependence that doesn't completely disappear with time due to the fact that when most of us, most people that start smoking or vaping or using nicotine in terms of chewing any type of tobacco really, they start when um, we're teenagers or young adults and our brain is, you know, we've heard of neuroplasticity. Our brain responds to those chemicals, to the nicotine, and we start creating more receptors in response to that. And when we stop using nicotine, those receptors do not disappear. They become sleepy-like. I like to think of them as uh, flowers that are withering mm -hmm. and they still stay there. And that's part of the, the reason why you've been vape-free or smoke-free for two years and you still think about it occasionally. <laughs> and I guess that's it. So that's pretty common then because I, I don't know, maybe it's all the like PSAs I see. It just looks like you quit and then your life is amazing afterwards, you know, like you've, you've beat the beast, you're done, you know, <laughs> but it, it, that, that's not what I'm experiencing. Yes, exactly. And what you're experiencing is very normal. And I think we have to change the way we think about it. We have to think about this as a chronic disease. So if we are talking about hypertension and a lifestyle change that helps hypertension, like exercise, we think of that as an ongoing process. It's not something that you exercise today and then you're done with that effect. <laughs> right. It's the same kind of idea with uh, quitting smoking. It's an ongoing process. And you're doing great and amazing, but it doesn't mean that you're not at risk of relapsing. Um, sorry, re-engaging is the correct term now um, at any point in the in the future. And so it does get easier with time and your um, success rate is much more higher at this point since you've been smoke-free, nicotine-free for two years. But there is no guarantee that you will never think about it, especially in moments of... Um, you know, high emotions, whether it is a life situation, life or death, or even happy moments. And, um, mm. or sometimes it can be, you know, routines like going to, you said, gas station, you know, places where you've been before. It could be with alcohol or it could be with people you're around who are smoking, you smell the cigarette. There's uh, many different ways you can be reminded about it and think about it. And I think the key to that is accepting that that thought may pass 
may come, but it will pass. And you do not need to engage in that thought. We have all kinds of crazy thoughts in our heads all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't need to engage in those. And I guess that's, I mean, what just kind of going back to what Troy did, like there were times in 2020 that like I was, this is, this is not the time to be quitting. This is not, you know, when we were doing the 5k stuff, I was jogging. Mm -hmm. It seemed like everyone and their dog had picked up smoking. And every single morning they were sitting on their stoop enjoying a cigarette while I was running past. And I'm like, oh, oh, I bet I could go bum one real quick. I bet I could do that. But um, like we with the the episode we had before when I quit for the first time, I, I just held on to some some low, low nicotine gum, mm-hmm. you know. And so mm-hmm. when I had that really bad craving after a run, I would just do you want a piece of gum? You know? Exactly. Yes. And and that's okay to do. That's what we we recommend um, to use, especially when you're transitioning. We recommend to use uh, nicotine replacement therapy combination initially, meaning using a nicotine patch and a short acting like a nicotine gum. Mm-hmm. And we work with uh, people to slowly use less and less nicotine. Uh, and sometimes you, you have to use nicotine gum you know, long term, occasionally, this is not something you'd need to do on a regular basis, hopefully, but it's always healthier than the alternative, which is sure. going back to smoking or vaping. I just want to say one more thing, because you've said you've this was the seventh attempt. Yeah. And I want to I want just to say that is very, very normal. On okay. average, <laughs> on average, most people take about seven attempts to successfully be able to quit just because it is so hard to do. And and the key to that is every time you try and you, maybe you're not successful, you learn something about what is working and what mm. didn't work. So it's a process and it's not about getting it right the first time. It's just about not giving up on trying. Yeah. And, the, and just to double like down on what you just said, the thing that worked for me was that dual system, right? That I had the patch. It was the first time I really committed to the patch and the gum and doing them both at the same time really kind of mm-hmm. helped ease me off and there was still I still had like mood swings galore every time I switched to a lower dose but mm-hmm. it, it is was tough, it right? was yeah it, yeah. <laughs> it was I think more tough for my uh, maybe not more tough but it was also tough for my partner having to deal it's with always me. yeah it's yeah. Uh, it, uh, smoking affects not just you and everyone else and quitting also affects you and everybody else so it takes a team and it's it helps you know for a lot of people to just say I'm trying to quit please be patient with me while I'm going through this process of having to readjust to lower nicotine levels because the brain craves that and and it, mm. you know a lot of the symptoms that you feel are being irritable or um, maybe frustrated, anxious, and restless as you're trying to readjust to a lower nicotine levels. But it does help in the transition to use nicotine replacement therapy or, um, uh, you know, the other options are some oral medications that we can use to help with those symptoms. Um, and it makes it easier. I'm glad that you were using them. And I'm wondering, I think, you know, this is interesting for me to hear this because I had kind of that same impression that Mitch had, like you quit smoking and everything's good and you're great. And I think Mitch's words earlier before we started the show was sunshine and unicorns (laughs) and it hasn't been sunshine and unicorns. It sounds like it's been, it's a challenge, but it it is interesting to hear you refer to this as a chronic disease. Like you said, like hypertension, like managing that, like it's a daily battle. But do you ever find that there is that point where a person gets to the point where they have no more desire to smoke than a person who has ever has never smoked. Like, will Mitch ever reach that point? 
It's hard to say. I I think that there are variabilities and they have done some genetic testing. So some people are more likely to be more dependent on nicotine than others. And we see that even in smokers, why there are people that have to smoke 20 cigarettes a day, and then you find someone that smokes only on social situations. And so for someone who was regularly using a pack of cigarettes, which is 20 cigarettes a day, or a really heavy um, vapor, then they are more likely to have these um, memories or um, these cravings occasionally. And I, you know, uh, for that is very, very common. The majority of the people I talk to have some kind of memory about smoking and think about it occasionally. There are also people that don't I think about it anymore and lucky they're the, they're the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like for the most part, people 10, 20 years out are, are still thinking about it. And there still is at least more of a craving than someone who's never smoked. Right. Absolutely. Because if, if you've never smoked, even though we have the receptors in our brain, we don't know how nicotine feels in our brain. And, and, and unluckily, nicotine feels great. And <laughs> it, it does. I'm it, sorry. It's addictive. Right? Exactly. I'm glad I have um I have tried smoking personally, but I have never <laughs> I've never inhaled. Oh <laughs> and, <laughs> and I have never felt that joyous moment from it. Um but I know that that's what is hard because when you give up smoking, you give up that pleasure, you know, and there's not something that we can replace to truly give you that same euphoric feeling. Um, that's just, unfortunately, nicotine, that's why it's so highly addicting is because it is it affects our reward mechanism in our brain. I would like to say that running provides that, but I think now that Mitch, that you've run, maybe you could, maybe you can contradict that and say uh, no. Well, no, yeah, well I no just, I, I'm just joking. Right? No, it's fine. Like, I, but I really do appreciate that comment. It's because it's so easy for everyone to be like, oh, smoking's bad. It's the worst thing for you. Blah blah blah. And it's like, oh, it's a filthy habit or whatever. It's like we don't also we don't often talk about how it also makes you feel good. Like that's why it's addictive. Right. I would not like inhale that stuff that makes my lungs kind of hurt if it didn't make me feel good, you know. And so I as I I, it feels very validating almost to hear like, no, it it makes you feel good, but it's super bad for you. You know, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, you know, it's hard because, you know, the majority of us are not smokers. And so Mm. all we we're doing is looking from the outside and just looking at these people that are smoking and thinking, you know, that's bad for you. Why are you doing that? I know it's bad for me. <laughs> right. But the yeah. fact is, how many of us do we engage in activities that are bad for us, that it's the majority of us who do it, and we still continue to do it? You know, we can yeah. think about unhealthy eating habits. How many of us do that, even though, you know, it, we know it's probably not the best to do. But we enjoy it and we say, hey, it's okay. I'm enjoying it even though I know that there are risks with this behavior. We can all relate to that feeling even though we don't understand how nicotine would really affect our brain because we haven't, the the majority of us haven't been smoking most of our lives. You know, more for Mitch, what have been some of the hardest times that you've experienced in the last two years? And Adlira, I'm curious if if that's typical of what you're seeing Mm -hmm. uh, with other people you've worked with. So the... Some of the hardest times for me, it really was like 
March 2020, like things were bad. There was earthquake. Yeah. There was pandemic. Everything was really changing. And um, Edlera, I don't, I don't know if we prepped you too much about this, but I, I smoked for 10 years. You know, I started when I was very young and um, in college. And at every moment in my past, when things got really stressful, I would go to the gas station and buy a pack of cigarettes and sit and smoke them. Like that mm-hmm. is my way of dealing with extreme stress. Mm-hmm. I have a breather. I would think, you know, it was... And so when when that March came and everything was different and everything was hard and suddenly we had to be inside, I didn't have that. And that was probably the hardest thing for me is that I was having a really hard time emotionally because that crutch, that that habit, that decade long habit wasn't there to help when things got tough. Decade long coping mechanism. That's a better way to put it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I, I I have to agree 100%. That is what we typically see is it's very, very hard behaviorally to manage emotions, stress, anxiety, boredom, loneliness, sadness, without when you have created this long term pattern of relying on smoking to help you feel better, even though we know from science that that long term that doesn't help anyone manage emotions better. But in the short term, because the like I mentioned, the reward mechanism part, how nicotine helps us feel good in the short term, um, that that makes it hard because in the moment you, you're not thinking about what well, what else can I do? You're just going back. Your brain likes to find easy solutions. Our brain, our brain likes to find easy solutions. And so the easiest thing is, hey, I know that smoking helped me in the past and that was for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So can you just go back to that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so finding a different way, it's it. I think it's definitely doable. It's, it mm-hmm. just takes a little bit of mindful practice of, hey, that is one way that I felt better, but I also know that that is not the best way for me to manage my emotions. What other practices can I start practicing or utilizing or um, think about that can help me feel better? You know, and, and I, I'm sure I, I would like to ask you because you have had to practice those things to manage your emotions. What other things have you tried that were helpful for you, Mitch? Well, I did running for a while. I got into running for the first time and it <laughs> it took a while to get into it, but it was getting a break, getting outside, walking, listening to a podcast. Um, it, it checked off a lot of the same boxes. That's, That's the the you know that that moment of that break that going outside that stopping and think not thinking about all the terrible things mm-hmm. for you know 20 30 minutes yeah disengaging for a little bit yeah mhm so that's that's, that's kind of what i turned to and yeah and um honestly i've i have since quitting oddly enough or not oddly enough maybe because of uh, i have started doing uh, some mental health stuff i've been working with a um a therapist to kind of deal with stress management and anxiety and kind of fill in the hole that Mm -hmm. these uh this this habit this coping mechanism you know that i relied on for so long i've been working on coming up with new strategies so and did you did you find mitch that that it was tough not to take on other bad habits like stress eating or things like that oh my god yeah no i like i we will need to do a series where mitch loses 20 pounds because yes (laughs) i did indulge a little bit the last year or two like 
who's who's looking at me during pandemic times? I'm just going to go ahead and have a double bacon cheeseburger today because that feels good, you know, because I am a junk food lover. That's me. That's the taquitos. So, yes, I did indulge a little bit into that, but I'm still working on finding my best habits. Most most of us did that with even though we're not smokers, most of us have done that with the pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah that's why it's called the COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, there's the freshman fifteen. There's the COVID nineteen. Right. Yeah. And Lara, what are some of the strategies that you teach um, people to deal with uh, stress or any of the emotions that they used to go to a cigarette to deal with? Um, Mitch gave some examples. Mm-hmm. Is there a core takeaway from Mitch's examples, or yes. are there some other examples you can give? Yes. Absolutely. So one of the things that are, is helpful is to recognize triggers or cues that are associated with wanting to smoke. And so I will, you know, typically talk to someone and say, talk me about your day in relation to your smoking. So t- common uh, triggers are waking up in the morning, you know, drinking coffee, after meals, taking a break, driving before bedtime. And then obviously it can be things like being around someone who smokes, smelling a cigarette. It can be also emotional triggers, so feeling stressed and anxious like we talked about. So depending on the trigger, then you can think about activities to do to anticipate that you're going to have that thought and what else to do. So some of the things behaviorally that are helpful, and it can be very different for everyone. So I'm going to generalize and and maybe some of them apply to you, Mitch, but some of them don't. (laughs) And that's normal because the, the approach of quitting is very different depending on the triggers and the situation for each individual. But some of the things that are helpful are, um, you know, holding on a pen or a pencil or carrot stick. So having snacks that are healthy, but that you can chew on is helpful. Uh, Drinking from a straw, sometimes having a straw that's cut that you can kind of hold as a cigarette, breathe from can be helpful. Toothpicks, there are toothpicks that are flavored that are helpful. Um, Obviously candy, but we try to say use sugar-free candy if you want to or sugar-free gum. And then in terms of the emotions, um, it's helpful to really try to take a non-smoking break. Because for a lot of people who smoke, that is one way to escape, you know, the activity that may be too stressful or too busy, too busy or tiring. So um, maybe still go outside. It's helpful to change a little bit of the routine. So I'd say if you're going out the back, maybe change and go out in the front um, I've had some, someone said, I changed the entire patio outside. So I wasn't sitting oh, in the exact same place. Interesting. Um, but it's helpful to stay physically active. That is very, very, very helpful. Um, and, and think of a, a project that you can do. Um, I think this really does help to start thinking of some activity that you really maybe have wanted to start for a while, um, like a hobby and haven't had time or haven't thought it was the, the right moment. This is a good time to do that. A lot of people start doing new skills, like you mentioned, like running or mm-hmm. I don't know, knitting, you could, anything that you, you do with your hands or with your body physically helps. And then I always like to talk about the deep breathing meditation type of activities that can be very calming. But I think it's also helpful for someone who has uh, used smoking as a coping mechanism because it does slow down the breathing. And so in a lot of ways, it can be a positive um, memory and, and help us 
calm down, slow down our breathing, slow down our heart rate and, and kind of gather our emotions for, for a few minutes before we go back to what we were doing. I, I'm, I'm glad you went through all those because those were, uh, I, I tried a bunch of those and some of them were really helpful for me. Some of them weren't, but this was the first time quitting that I actually engaged actively in finding those habits, right? Finding what worked for me. I wish I had known about the sugar-free though, because I went straight for the uh, chocolate-covered cinnamon bears <laughs> were the thing that I would stick in my mouth anytime I wanted to smoke. And <laughs> after the episode, people kept buying me. It was very sweet. People kept buying me chocolate-covered cinnamon bears, and I ended up with these giant Costco size bags of them. And um, it wasn't what the best did your dentist say? <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of funny it because like well. nobody, nobody would ever buy you a bunch of cigarettes, you know, no. or nicotine gum, but. <laughs> They're more than willing to buy you these little sugar bombs. I did have to say, you mentioned the cinnamon, and it does help to have strong flavors. So I mentioned really? cinnamon steak. So okay. yeah, and some and spicy stuff too also can help some people or lemony flavors. Um, I do have a lot of um, uh, patients that do use normal candy too, like Jawbreakers, Jolly mm. Ranchers. You know, I I don't encourage it not to say that it's not helpful because it's a transitionary habit and hopefully you, you don't continue to do it for forever. <laughs> <laughs> but it can help in the transition. And I honestly think, you know, whatever works, it's okay as long as it's not something that you continue to, to use and, and hopefully not ruin your teeth and oral, <laughs> um, oral health. Yeah. So um, as a once smoker and then vapor and now a two-year quitter, um, talk us through what Mitch's lungs and health uh, is like two years later. How much better is it? So the science shows that the the lung function starts to improve at um, one, between one to nine months after quitting. I'm going to kind of relate to smoking mostly because that's what most of the research is um, is on. Ten years after quitting smoking, lung cancer death rate is half of with smokers. So there is a lot of benefit. However, it takes time for the lungs to heal. So that may be why I don't know if you still feel like you're not breathing as well as you wanted to. I don't know if that's what you mentioned earlier. I must have, um, I think I heard something about that, Mitch. But uh, it sounds like you've smoked, stopped for two years, which is great. The lungs are constantly healing and it's always benefiting your lungs health. But it's hard to measure that by year. So, uh, Adlira, we had talked a little bit earlier about, like, Mitch has quit for two years. Is there any research that shows after a certain point you're more likely to stick with it? Has he gone over the hump or is, is does he still have a hump to go over? No, he's definitely gone over the hump. The one-year yes. mark is usually <laughs> a great sign that you're probably less likely to go back to it. It's just that we don't want to say, now you're done, the race is over, because yeah. it is a journey. And like I mentioned, the type of the, the chronic dependency and the nicotine part, that may always be a part of your life in terms of you thinking about it occasionally. The hope is that it will happen less and less often. And that you, you know, once you decide, which you have in your case, is that you always do not think of smoking as an option. Similar to someone who has never been a smoker. You know, for me, I will handle stressful situations, but I will never think about, oh, maybe I need to go and get a cigarette because that's not an option. It's not even an alternative. 
And that's the idea that I would encourage for someone who has been a smoker to, you know, it's it's okay to have that thought. We can't control what thoughts come into our brain, but you don't have to engage into that. And you say that, that even though I had that thought, I'm not going to follow through with it. I was going to say, this is, this is great to hear because, you know, I've never smoked. I haven't had that experience or that dependence, but so much of what you're saying, it's just any change in health habits in general or in, you know, trying to do healthy things. It's, it's never easy. I think it's always a struggle. You know, for me, it's been a lot about trying to give up sweets and give up sugars and, and, you know, Mitch, similar to what you've experienced, there have been many times I used to like in med school, I would buy a pack of Oreos and <laughs> I would eat almost that entire thing <laughs> in one sitting. And it was I've done delicious. That. Yeah. Yeah. It was there's nothing, amazing. There's nothing worse. Yeah, I, self-checkouts yeah. are great nowadays because when you get that <laughs> gallon milk. And that pack of Oreos, yeah. nobody has to see it. Yeah, <laughs> right. you don't get shamed for it. It's like, I'm buying this and I'm eating this tonight. <laughs> so I think it, it really relates to anything we try and do. There's always that trigger, whether it's stress or anxiety or loneliness or whatever it might be. And it's always a battle. Like, I don't have that urge like I used to have it, but I, I still have that urge sometimes. And so I can't relate, certainly Mitch, on the level I think to nicotine dependence and it's really remarkable what you've done. And especially at this time, I don't know how you've done it, but I don't know either. I'm so I'm incredibly proud of you. Honestly, I haven't even wanted to ask you if you were still not smoking <laughs> because I was just like, I didn't want to know the answer. I was like, I don't know how you've done it. I just don't want to know. So I'm incredibly proud of what you've done and it's, oh, it's remarkable. Thanks. So. I think it's great that you're, we're celebrating this because one of the um, comments that I get a lot from people who are working on quitting is it's the lack of awareness. And sometimes we, you know, it's the elephant in the room. Like you said, it's uncomfortable to say, Hey, are you, are you still not smoking? Because you don't want to know the answer. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> but that is actually important for anyone who quits. They want to. I, and I am speaking in general, and Mitch, you can tell me if that's how you feel about this. But generally speaking, is they're doing something, you're doing something that's so difficult, and no one is recognizing it as often as it is happening. Meaning you're fighting this fight on a daily basis. And you know, once you quit, most people say, okay, you quit, you're done. Good job once. But hey, it's not a good job once. It's a good job always. Good job for the rest of your life because it's <laughs> never easy, even though it's been a long time. See, now I, now I feel bad. I'm sorry. No, no, I, no, I should have been asking you. <laughs> no, you're good. Well, and one of the things I want to talk about is that I really appreciate that. Like what you just mentioned was that because a lot of people on the outside are just like, oh, are you done yet? Right. Oh, oh, you quit. Great. High five. Oh, no, you slipped up. Oh, no. Like, you know, what kind of moral failing did you have mm -hmm. or did you not try hard enough or whatever? And it was actually and kind of the thesis of our show. It was actually talking about that. Right. It was talking to Scott and Troy on our first episode where we talked where I first committed to quitting. It was that talking about like, hey, I, this is hard and having people realize that it's hard and support and to talk like about the the maverick cravings, I would call it, where I'd circle the block a few times trying to debate whether or not I go in, you know, and grab a pack of cigarettes. Mm -hmm. um, that, I think, was the biggest difference this time. Yes. And why I was able to get to the two years was being able to talk to people about what was actually happening, because a lot of times there's so much shame wrapped up in 
<laughs> you know, you yes. should just be strong and quit. Like, it is, it will, you know, it's bad for you. Just throw it away. <laughs> so. It's just willpower. Right. <laughs> and it's not just willpower. And I do think it's very helpful if once, you know, for whoever is still smoking and, and can benefit from this is once you decide that you want to do it and, and it's helpful to find the reason why, why you're doing it. And the why can be very different for many people. You know, some people it could be financial. Most of the time it has to be health related and family or, you know, a lot of times as a child or grandchild. Yeah, and sometimes it could be a, a diagnosis of some sort that really kind of shakes us to the core. And then we decide, hey, this, it, I'm done. I do not want to be a slave to cigarettes anymore. But once you have the why, it helps to have a plan of how you're going to do it. Anticipate that it's not going to be easy. Anticipate that you're going to have the triggers and what to do with that. You know, I think it's helpful to plan things that you think may help like having snacks or like, you know, the, some of the things that we talked about earlier. And it also is helpful to talk about it. Let other people know. It, this helps us be more accountable to ourselves. And it can be a lot of pressure to do that. But I think in your case, Mitch, you mentioned that it, you know, and this is the majority of the time, this was helpful for you because you felt the responsibility. You didn't want to let yourself down. You didn't want to, you know, say something and not follow through with that. So even though it's an uncomfortable thing to do, I encourage you to do that because it makes it more likely that you will follow through with that plan. So I think, um, I think another round of applause is uh, in order for Mitch. Congratulations yeah. on your two year anniversary. This is, well done. I mean, you know, a, birthdays we celebrate birthdays but really i mean come on like this is <laughs> this is bigger than that right because right. a lot of effort went into it it's a daily thing i love the uh, analogy of that smoking is a chronic disease so it needs a a solution that also you know is ongoing um quitting can be different for each person uh it's hard it can take up to seven times and um you know you just kind of got to find your way uh do you have a Lyra, do you have a beginning step for somebody that maybe would like to be celebrating their two-year quitiversary in a couple of years on how to get started? I think it's great to put some small goal that you can see yourself achieving. You know, we because this is a journey, it's a process, and it's not just an on and off light switch, I think it's helpful to think about, you know, if you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day, say, let's say you want to say, I want to smoke 18. It's only two fewer cigarettes. But you have to practice non-smoking when you're smoking two fewer cigarettes. So I think it's great to think about even reducing smoking is still helps reduce the harm even one fewer cigarette helps. So um, keeping cigarettes away, you know, if you're, if you're smoking outside, just take the one cigarette that you want to smoke or two, but try to limit it, make it harder for you to smoke. And think about why you want to do it, because your, your why is what's going to help you pull through with it. And there's no shame in getting help. You don't have to do it yourself. There's a lot of great resources they out are, there. Yeah. Yes. What What would be a great resource that you would drive somebody to, to as a beginning point? 
Well, I would, for Huntsman, anyone who is a Huntsman patient, please let us know. We would love to help you. Um, but what normally can help is combination of counseling and uh, pharmacotherapy. So that is using combination nicotine replacement, like we talked about, and then the two medications that are varenicline and Zyban. Those are prescriptions. So I do think it's helpful to talk to your provider that you're trying to to quit because they can prescribe medications and they can even give you brief counseling. And also the quit line offers uh, free counseling as well as some, some free nicotine replacement therapy. And there are also some apps that are free, like with smokefree.gov, which are really nice. You can play, put your goal. If you want to quit, they can send you text reminders and that can be helpful as well. Well, congratulations, Mitch. Adlira, uh, thank you very much for being on the show and answering some of Mitch's questions. And uh, should we all get together in another year and celebrate three? Oh, what <laughs> a great let's, idea. Let's plan for it. <laughs> I mean, is that, should I not have said that, Adlira? Did, did I just screw screw things up for Why? Mitch? I, yes. I, I think it's great. Okay. I think it makes it more likely for Mitch to be <laughs> celebrating right. in a year. I wouldn't thank want to be the undoing, me. Mitch. Yes, oh, sure. thank you. And thanks for caring about men's health. Super sweet episode. Uh, it's always fun to celebrate things, especially something like somebody quitting nicotine for two years. Again, congratulations to Mitch on his two-year quitiversary. If you want to reach out to Mitch and say congratulations, that would be awesome. Or if you are struggling with quitting smoking and need a little extra help, you want to reach out, that's great too. Or if you have a comment or thought, lots of ways to get a hold of us at the podcast. You can email us, hello at thescoperadio.com. You can go to facebook.com slash who cares men's health, send us a direct message or post on our wall. You can also leave a voicemail by calling 60155 scope. That's 60155 S C O P E. And most importantly, help other men that would find this podcast useful. Find us. If you think there's somebody in your life that would find this episode useful, share it with them, listen to it with them together. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And thanks for caring about men's health.